Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 277 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Very grateful that you've taken the time to download today's episode. You're listening to my voice. It means that you're either a coach or a student who's super passionate about the improvement process, getting better at teaching or describing or providing instruction or learning and finding different and more impactful and uh, more effective ways of improving your own game. And so I'm really excited excited for that. Hope today's episode is going to be a big help to you. The title is How to Find the Perfect Tennis Pro, but this episode is equally as much for the tennis pro trying to find the perfect tennis student. And that's really going to be our focus today is the intersection of different attitudes, mindsets, and values around tennis instructors and tennis students. And my goal with this episode is going to be to uh, give give the mindsets and, and attitudes and perspectives needed to help more pros find better students. And by better, I mean a better fit and more students to find better teachers. And again, by better, I mean better fit. We'll, we'll, I'll explain what I mean in a second. Today's question comes to us from Paul, who's a coach. He wrote and said, I've been following your series of late on quick fix instruction and fundamentally how these tricks and tips, in air quotes, won't amount to overall longer term progress. Sad to say, as an instructor, I have very recently lost a pair of students who I felt needed to have a mindset and expectations reset in order to really make stroke reproduction, not to mention overall enjoyment of tennis even possible. Firstly, one student comes from a background of rugby and going harder meant trying and and thus progress, meaning just effort in meant progress, uh, kind of putting aside reality of uh, strokes and skills. At the same time, the other student was an absolute beginner. She was actually making much better notable progress. After off and on lessons for a month, the first student complained that we were doing the same lessons over and over. Long story short, I have to say that I was disappointed, disappointed to get the news that they were moving on to another instructor. I'm convinced that we never got the opportunity to get out of the gate as I was never able to convince my now ex-student that to be successful, one must move feet and focus more on balance and fluidity of stroke rather than using the small muscles in the wrist and forearm to generate power at the expense of control. I welcome your insights, Paul. All right, so this is, this is complicated territory. There's no question about it. And the biggest reason why it's complicated and why I, I think there's a, there's a huge attitude of uh, everybody kind of tiptoes around this issue. Uh, players are, are very, very sensitive about uh, moving on to different coaches, although these players you know, didn't have any problem with it. Uh, but in general, players who take lessons from their local local coach or pro feel like they have some obligation to the coach or pro, and they need to stick with them forever and forever. And uh, leaving, you know, will just absolutely crush them. Uh, and on the other hand, co- coaches 
uh, I think have a difficult time in this situation as well, where there's just a mismatch. And you can tell from Paul's question that his mindset, his approach, his philosophy was very different than that of the students. And first and most important point here today is the only way a student-teacher relationship can work well is if both the student and the teacher hold the same values. If there's a mismatch there, then there's just going to be frustration. And on the, I think the reason why this is such an awkward conversation for a lot of students and a lot of coaches is because on the surface, it's very easy to assume that everybody should just automatically be on the same page in this relationship. On one hand, we have a service provider who's supposed to be an expert in improving at something specific in this example, tennis. So that's kind of the the first party here. The, The other party is a player who's paying money for the time of that service provider. And so it seems like a perfect match, right? Here we've got somebody uh, who uh, is supposed to know exactly what to do to get better and uh, makes his or her schedule available for for people who want to learn. And then we have somebody saying, hey, give me 12 o'clock on Thursday because I I, I want to know what you have to say. Here's my money. (laughs) <laughs> and so it seems like what could possibly go wrong in this situation. But the reality is, the truth is, if you just take that surface level uh, understanding or that surface level view of what's happening here, then uh, different small mismatches can can become very, very tricky uh, and very, very awkward very, very quickly. But the reality is, and this is kind of my main focus for today's episode, the reality is there's a huge spectrum on the side of the player, and there's a huge spectrum on the side of the coach, meaning it's not black and white. It's not either or. It's not this person is a great you know, practitioner and uh, 100% of the time a tennis pro, pro who's, who is teaching at a club, has exactly the information you want, and is going to deliver it exactly the way that you need it. And on the other side of the, of the coin, it's not true of students either. Just because a student signs up for a time slot and pays you money as a coach doesn't mean that they actually want to get better. And that sounds insane, uh, especially if you've never experienced it before, but it's 100% true. And so what I've done here is I've I have attempted to categorize styles of player and styles of coach. And I've given three different names. I, I've just uh, taken players and coaches and broken them down into three very general, generic categories. And this is, I'm, I'm doing this just purely to try to help coaches and try to help players understand that there's a sliding scale, there's a spectrum. It's not either or. It's not uh, one or the other. Uh, there's there's a lot of gray. And if you're not aware of any uh, differences in approach or mentality or perspective at all, then anybody who thinks a little bit outside of the way your brain works will just kind of be an enemy and will just end up being awkward and frustrating. So that's my that's my kind of goal here. Goal here. That's the way I was thinking about it. Uh, I'm not trying to stereotype anybody or put anybody into a box, 
But at the same time, I think we need to be realistic and uh, honest and open about the natural differences that there are between coaches and students. And if they don't see eye to eye, then there's, there's, it's just not going to be a, a, a very well-functioning relationship. So let's talk about styles of player first. And, and before I kick this off, please know, and I, I mean this with all sincerity, 100%, these titles are not meant to judge, they're meant to describe. And I have absolutely no problem with any player or any coach who's in it just to have fun, just to socialize, just for exercise, whatever. If you get out of tennis what you want to get out of tennis, then I'm happy for you. But at the same time, if I'm going to spend time, my time with somebody on the courts, I want to make sure that uh, my values like the reason why I'm there matches up with the reason why you're there. Doesn't that make sense? That's how we're both going to get the most out of that student-teacher relationship. If there's a mismatch, it's going to be frustrating for you and it's going to be frustrating for me. And so kind of my, my biggest goal here is that this gets people thinking about the different styles of coaches and players and gets people a little bit more open and honest and uh, self-aware about where they lie on the spectrum and where other people around them lie on the spectrum so that they can choose to spend time with people where it's the best fit. So, all that being said, styles of player, and we're starting from like one end of the spectrum and going to the other. So on one far end of the spectrum, this is a player who is in it purely for the exercise, purely for the social elements of tennis. This is the player that I like to call the hit and giggle player. That doesn't mean that this player necessarily uh, is always um, low focus or not competitive. Like, might be a very competitive person, uh, but this is somebody who's not at all interested in spending time practicing, spending time training, spending time learning anything, spending time making any changes. He or she is 100% satisfied with where his or her game is right now, and has 100% satisfaction and fun just going out with the tools that they have and they have no interest in doing any work to change that at all because they're, they're already totally happy. So why rock the boat when they're already getting out of tennis exactly what they hoped for, which was get out of the house, get away from the office, totally unplug, do something completely outside of the kind of the normal routine, Oh, and you also get some exercise. You get to hang out with some cool people. Great. This is on one far end of the spectrum. Hit and giggle. Uh, and then right in the middle, and in my experience, this is where, where most the category that most players fall into is, in air, in air quotes, don't change my strokes. <laughs> now, this person, this student, this player, on the surface will say, I want to get better. And they enjoy tennis enough that they want to kind of pursue it and that they, they want to make improvements so that they can enjoy it even more. They say, well, I, I'm already enjoying this. I'm, all, I'm already uh, really happy with the, the exercise and the competition and the camaraderie and the socialization. It's all great. If I could just learn how to hit my serve a little better, my forehand a little better, I'll, I'll have even that much more enjoyment and fun and satisfaction. And so they say they want to get better. But 
at the end of the day, they're not willing to make any big fundamental changes because they're afraid of taking a step back to make two steps forwards. They're not willing to invest in, in any significant change because it's not that important to them. And this is where, I th- if you're listening, it's important to be realistic and self-aware and honest with yourself. Are you r- really willing to invest in challenge and change and the difficult process of changing habits? And if the answer is no, again, it's totally fine. I'm not coming at this from a direction or perspective of, of judgment. I'm just trying to describe these as best as possible, as, as articula- articulately as possible, so people can hopefully identify and find the right coach or find the right student. So the Don't Change My Strokes lesson was, or student rather, was really my biggest motivation for starting Essential Tennis in the first place. And I had multiple meetings with multiple bosses, directors of tennis, at my first two full-time jobs, teaching jobs, before I started doing essential tennis full-time, I I had lots of meetings with my uh, managers because I was so, I couldn't, I really couldn't, I was very naive starting off. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that I was there on staff as an expert in tennis and groups or individuals would pay for my time, come out onto the court, and then when I would tell them what they needed to do to get to the next level, they would just flat out tell me they didn't want to do that. <laughs> and so I, I mentioned kind of during the intro, like it, it might, it's on the surface kind of sounds like insanity. Like they're, they're paying for the input of an expert, but then they just, they don't, they don't want to follow it. And I couldn't believe it at first. And, and uh, it was a huge frustration point for me. And so the don't change my strokes player is somebody who's willing to make some changes, but only surface level, nothing super challenging, nothing that'll rock the boat too much, just enough that maybe you'll see a slight improvement, but nothing fundamental where it's a sacrifice. Okay. And then on the far other end of the spectrum, so on on one end is the hit and giggle in the middle is don't change my strokes. And on, on the far other end of the spectrum is the mastery seeker. And the mastery seeker is the student that I'm looking for. And it was basically uh, the dream or like the, the big picture result that I was hoping for. And when I started publishing a blog and I started publishing this podcast in 2008, the big picture dream result was that the people who felt the way that I felt about improving at tennis would find that content, they would resonate with it, and I could somehow figure out how to create income or revenue from that so I could just just do that. And so I could just spend time with those people. And I'm super blessed and grateful to say that that's exactly what happened. And now every time, I mean, literally every time I walk out onto the court, it's with a student who 99%, you know, sometimes 110%. I I occasionally work with students that surpass my own passion for uh, breaking things down and making changes, changing habits. Uh, Students not only match me, but exceed my level of drive and intensity and passion for it. And that's incredible. I'm unbelievably grateful and uh, happy that, that I get to be able to do that now. But that's at the far other end of the spectrum. On one far end is hit and giggle. 
On the other far end is the mastery seeker, and right in the middle, which is where most players fall in my experience, I'm talking about amateur adult tennis players, is don't change my strokes. <laughs> All right, so that's the full spectrum, just br broken down into three very general, you, you could call it stereotypical uh, categories, different styles of player. Now let's talk about different styles of coach. And you'll see how these uh, intertwine with the different style of player. There's kind of a, a correlating level. And we'll start with the same end of the spectrum. And I thought about how best to describe this. Remember, a style player hit and giggle, and uh, it was on that far end of the spectrum. And on that same far end of the coaching spectrum is the circus ringmaster. So this is the person who's kind of in charge of festivities. This person excels at uh, developing a high level of uh, activity and engagement and action. And it's a great feeder, great talker, like high levels of uh, enthusiasm and um What's the other word I'm, I'm looking for? Charisma. Tons of enthusiasm and, and charisma and personality. And not that every tennis coach uh, with tons of personality and charisma and, and um, uh, energy is always on this end of the, of the uh, planes of the coaching spectrum. But generally speaking, players who are coaches, I'm sorry, who fall into the category of circus ringmaster have those traits. They're super engaging, uh, warm, you know, friendly people, very good people skills, and very good at keeping a group of tennis players or a single tennis player full of lots of action and activity. And there's not really a whole lot of uh, instructing or teaching or coaching. They might throw out some kind of phrases here and there, and this is kind of, these are how the cliches are perpetu um, perpetuated. The old low to high, turn to the side, step into the ball, rack it back early. Uh, the, <laughs> these, these coaches definitely have a lot to do with those just same phrases being repeated over and over again. Maybe not even in the right context. But w one thing is for sure, they're a perfect match for the hit and giggle student. Like you get a bunch of those students together and one of these coaches together and it's like lightning in a bottle. Everybody's super pumped to be there, super happy. And uh, everybody is in alignment, uh, what they value, what they're looking to get out of that hour or hour and a half or two hours or whatever. So uh, right in the middle of the coaching spectrum is the quick fix specialist. So this is somebody who, who takes improvement much more seriously. And it's kind of the, the focus or the cornerstone of what they're doing on the courts. But it's only surface level depth. And so... They're very, very good at finding something, uh, something small to tweak to get you a little bit better output. And you'll see quick, oftentimes, you'll, you'll see a quick improvement within the context of the lesson. But a lot of times you go back and play a match and that, that, kinda, that quick jump forward kind of disappears a little bit. And you kind of go back and, and spend some more time with them. And you're hitting, hitting great during the lesson frequently. And then back in the match, you kind of go back to... Uh, feeling the way that you did before. And so the quick fix specialist, uh, much more focused on instruction and improvements, but there's not a lot of depth there. And just like with the, uh, the player spectrum, this middle 
part of it is definitely the most common, in my opinion. Um, circus ringmasters are mostly present for like junior, especially like peewee classes, like <laughs> perfect for that sort of thing. And then some adults, especially like cardio tennis, uh, but the quick fix specialist, in my opinion, is the most common type of coach or pro. That uh, they've you know got the the personality usually uh, more emphasis on improvement, but there's no uh, focus on deep fundamental habit changes. It's more like bolting uh, tweaks or fixes on top of what you're already doing, and that's a perfect perfect fit for the don't change my strokes player. And so if you can get that player mi- uh, matched up with this style of coach, then it's a match made in heaven. You've got a player who doesn't want to commit uh, to big changes, uh, doesn't want to sacrifice or take a step back uh, for long-term improvement. You've got a coach who that, that's their specialty, is, is giving that, that surface level kind of tweaks or tricks or uh, uh, tips and so if we can match those players up with those students, uh, those players up with those coaches, then it's perfect. And the final style of coach on the far other end of the spectrum is the mastery mentor. So this is somebody who, the improvement process is a huge passion for them. And somebody who's constantly studying not only the state of tennis and, and general you know, techniques and uh, approaches, but also studies how best to teach and how people best learn and is constantly trying new things, new approaches, and has a big picture, long-term marathon mentality when it comes to developing a player. It's not about what quick changes can I make in this hour so that this week this player can play a little bit better. This coach very much has the mentality of over the next year or two years or five years, What changes do we need to make now that this player can invest in that they'll reap benefits for for months or years or a decade from now? That's a totally different mindset. And as a result, that's totally different coaching or instructional philosophy or approach than somebody who's a quick fix specialist. Very, very different mentality. And so if you match up a mastery mentor with a hit and giggle player, there'll be nothing but frustration. You've got players who are just looking to have a good time and you've got a coach who badly (laughs) wants to help these players, but the players don't want that kind of help. They don't want it. It's not a good fit. It's not a good fit for the players. It's not a good fit for the coach. And the players can try to meet in the middle. The coach can try to meet in the middle. But at the end of the day, it's probably just not going to work. And both sides are probably going to be frustrated if they try to leave their normal way of thinking and and meet halfway in the middle. It'll probably just be uh, resentment and frustration. So a bad match from a student's perspective, if you're you're a student and you self-identify in one of those three generalized areas and you go to take lessons from a coach and they're not a perfect match well what can you do you can request adjustments from the coach and say hey can we try doing this and may have you ever tried uh, have you ever thought about using video and uh can you like write me a little plan to follow you know whatever um it could be the coach will make some concessions and may make some changes and some shifts for you 
but they're not going to change their base personality. They're not going to change their fundamental way of thinking. And that's, that's just people. You know, you, you can't expect a, another human being to completely modify their personality just to accommodate you. It's just not a fair thing to expect. It's not a realistic thing to, to expect. From the coach's perspective, if you've, if you've got a student that just doesn't line up with your philosophy where you are on the spectrum, you can make adjustments, but I only really recommend small ones. And you can try to kind of persuade your student like Paul did. Paul was like trying to get them on the same page and thinking the same way. Again, people are people. You're probably not going to persuade them or get them excited about uh, being a mastery seeker when they came in as a hit and giggle player. That's not realistic. If they're a don't change my strokes person, maybe you can persuade them to lean a little bit towards mastery seeker, but it's unlikely that uh, you're going to be so persuasive that they're going to change their outlook on the sport and their outlook of why they're doing it in the first place and how much they're willing to invest. It's not realistic. So, you can try to meet them halfway and maybe kind of try to encourage them to meet you halfway, but only make small changes because otherwise you'll end up resenting them for, for changing the way you approach it. You'll end up burning out. And I know this from experience. I, I started approaching that, that place where I was like, all right, if I can't beat them, I'll join them. You know, six, seven, eight years into coaching full time. And for my first several years, I tried to make everybody I taught a mastery seeker. And I, I bet, you know, I, uh, tried try to get them to, to uh, adopt my passion for the improvement process and and um, analyzing their strokes and making changes and thinking long term. And I, I quickly figured out that that just wasn't going to work. People didn't want to change, and so I started trying to just adopt uh, their uh, perspective, adopt their attitude about it. And I, and I did that to a certain extent. And it's like, okay, these people just want to have a good time. Fine. I'll just, I'll just feed the drills. I'll just make it entertaining. And you might think, well, that sounds like a lot less work. Like being a, a, a mastery mentor personality, which is absolutely what I am, might sound like a lot less work to just feed some drills and say, hey, you know, have fun. And, and, and it was killing me slowly because <laughs> just not my personality. And so if you try to... Um, just facilitate something that's totally not uh, your way of thinking, you'll, you'll be fine probably, but over time you'll probably get burned out. And so be careful with that. That's my advice to the coaches out there. Ideally, you want to be completely who you are. Let your schedule turn over as needed, meaning uh, make it clear from the very first lesson, like this is the type of coach you are, these are the goals you have for your students, and if the hit and giggle players come in, they're like, oh crap, like this is not what I want, fine, let them drop off your schedule, let somebody else get in your schedule. Uh, and then eventually, over time, you can build, a, build out a full schedule of people that you see pretty close uh, to being eye to eye with. Some coaches or at a facility where that's possible and they have the luxury of a lot of demand for lessons and over time you can kind of custom make your schedule. Other coaches don't have that luxury. 
because uh, of employer dynamics or uh, membership dynamics, whatever. Um, but ideally, that's what you want to try to do as a coach. But the bottom line is, if everybody was more self-aware and more open and honest about who they were, what their goals are, what their aspirations are, what their values are as a tennis player, as a tennis coach, then we could match many more students and many more coaches more accurately. And there'd be more satisfaction, more happiness out there on the tennis courts. In the meantime, as a student, study pros before signing up with them. Understand that you're 100% free to move on after a lesson or two, and that's fine. If it's not a good fit, then move on. You don't need to be apologetic for that or feel ashamed or embarrassed. It's completely fine. And in the meantime, as a coach, work on engaging different students in slightly different ways. You know, try to meet them halfway, and, and, and some students you may be able to draw a little bit closer to the, the mastery side of things, or if you're a circus ringmaster, to the, just the fun side of things. Uh, ideally, you want to fill your schedule with players who just are completely on the same page as you. That's where your time is going to be best spent. That's where you're going to be most fulfilled and most satisfied and uh, enjoy life and your job and your career the most. But be open and understanding of their individual wants and needs. Most students are not going to see perfectly eye to eye with how you like to coach. And so empathize with that. Understand that. Try to meet them halfway. Hopefully this is helpful. We'd love to hear your perspective. If you're a coach or you're a student, shoot me an email to ian, that's I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. Tell me where, where you fall on that spectrum. If you're listening to a podcast about tennis improvement, you're probably on the mastery path. Either a mastery seeker player or a mastery mentor coach. And that's great. Uh, but if you fall someplace else on the spectrum, that's, that's fine too. The most important thing is that you know yourself and then you do your best to align yourself with the same type of person, uh, whether it be a student or a coach. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.